name of Jesus, amen. Look up to heaven and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. God said to a man named Abram as he led him out of his tent and lifted his chin toward the night sky. Abram looked up and he knew very quickly that it was pointless. He wasn't going to be able to count all the stars. That night he had come to God confused. God had promised him years ago that his descendants would be a great nation. And that his descendants would inherit the land on which he was standing right now. But in response to his confusion, in response to his question, God had led him outside and pointed him to the sky. So now here he stood, an old man with no son, looking up, trying to count the stars. And God said, Abram, you see all those stars? so shall your offspring be. Not long after Abram stargazed with God, God kept his promise. Abram, though he was a hundred years old, had a son, and he named him Isaac. Not long after that, Isaac had a son, and he named him Jacob. And soon Jacob had 12 sons, and those 12 sons, well, they became the great nation that God had promised out of all the people on the face of the earth, God chose Abram's family to be his chosen people. He blessed them wherever they went. He protected them. He blessed their labors and their battles. And even in the veins of the Savior flowed the blood of Abraham. When the nation of Israel, Abram's family was in captivity, God rescued them. When they were hungry, God fed them. When they went out to war, God fought for them. When they followed God, he showered them with blessings. When they disobeyed God, he disciplined them like a father. And when they ran away from God, he fought to bring them back. There was no other nation in the history of the world that received such blessings and such love as the children of Abram the nation of Israel. And if anyone wanted to be part of that nation, wanted to be part of God's people, they would have to leave behind the life they had and conform their lives to the rules and regulations, the diets and the worship of the people of Israel. But even then, they would still be labeled as foreigners. They might be welcomed into the community, but they would still receive separate treatment. They were labeled Gentiles, which was almost synonymous as a slur with sinner. And on top of that, even in Israel's center place of worship at the temple, Gentiles had to stay in the outermost courtyard. It was called the Gentile court. And it was less of a worship place and more of a marketplace where they sold doves and sheep for sacrifice. That is why when the Apostle Paul, in our reading this morning, looks back at how God's salvation plan played out, that he calls it a mystery. You would have expected that the Savior of the world, the Messiah who came through Abram's bloodline, who came from Israel, 
You would have expected that he would have followed the patterns of the past, putting Israel first and the rest of the world second. But the mystery that Paul puts before us today is that in Christ Jesus, both Jews and Gentiles, all people receive the same treatment and the same blessing from God. And there is no account that makes that more clear than the arrival of the Magi. When we look back, church history has not only numbered how many wise men there were, but has also given them names. But despite that, if you look at the text, there's not much we can really say about the wise men from what Matthew records. The most that we have is that they were from the east, there was more than one of them, and they were not naturally born Israelites. They were foreigners or Gentiles. And it's this last point that makes this account so significant, so interesting, and which led to King Herod's surprise when these foreigners came strolling up to his capital city of Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is to be born king of the Jews? Matthew records that at this question, both Herod and all of Jerusalem with him were greatly disturbed, uh, primarily because these were foreigners who were coming to Herod and saying, hey, there's a new king. And Herod wasn't going to take that sitting down. No, he was going to fight for his throne, and the people in Jerusalem knew that that would mean nothing but trouble. But even more surprising about the Magi's question was that they knew about the promise of the Messiah. They knew the promise of the Savior. And that promise of the Savior had been preserved for them all the way by God, even in their own country for this whole time. And that was what was so surprising about the Magi when they came to the baby Jesus, that he was the one that was to be born for the Jews. And not only was it surprising that these foreigners were coming to the baby, but also that they were led to the baby. Matthew records that the Magi said, We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Ordinary people, like me, when you, if I go outside on a normal night and look at the stars, I probably wouldn't notice one more star among the millions and millions of stars that were out there. But the Magi did notice, because it was their job to look at the stars, to see the movement in the planets. There is no mistake. God was intentionally leading these people to the baby. And God was showing equal treatment both for Israel as well as the Gentiles. Because these magi weren't just coming to the baby Jesus out of mere curiosity or on a whim. No, they were coming, as they said, so that we might worship him. Remember the shepherds who were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night? Remember how the angels came to them on that first Christmas morning? Remember what the angels' words did for them? It motivated them to leave behind their sheep and go find the baby and worship him. Now think about the Magi's star. What did that star do? Well, it led the Magi to leave behind their home country. It led them to the baby and led them to worship them. 
Can you see God's equal treatment for both Jews and Gentiles? That he led both groups, he led all people to the same baby, to the same Savior, showing the whole world that Jesus was not only the Savior for the Jewish people, but the Savior for all people. And this star wasn't just special treatment for the Magi. No, it was true. The Magi brought with them gold, uh, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, very expensive gifts. But they took with them gifts much more valuable. When they returned to their country, they brought with them the gospel message. And that is why historically Epiphany, what we celebrate today, has been called the Gentile Christmas. Because when the Magi returned to their country, they gave gifts to the whole world, even gifts to you and me, that Jesus, the King of the Jews, is our King and our Savior too. Epiphany is our Christmas. The separation between Jewish people and Gentile people in our modern day isn't as strong as it would have been back in those days. But one thing is sure, if Israelite Christians would receive different treatment than Gentile Christians, we'd be the ones on the outside. We'd be the ones that were considered foreigners. We'd be the ones looking in as other people got close to God and we had to stay far away. But just as God didn't treat these magi differently than he treated the naturally born Israelites, so too, God doesn't treat us any differently. He has preserved his word among us. He has shown us that Jesus is our savior as well. We are no longer foreigners. We don't have that label. We have the label of children of God. We don't have to stand far away from God and look from a distance. No, as Paul says, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. And that's what you did this morning. When you walked into church, you approached God with freedom and confidence here where his word is preached and his sacraments are given. And I encourage each and every one of you, and I pray that you continue to approach God with freedom and confidence in this new year. Not only here at church, but also in your personal devotional lives. And in prayer, trusting that he hears you, and that he loves you, and that he cares about you. And as we stay close to God and his word, he promises us that we will be like the star that led the Magi to Jesus. That we will be lights in this world who carry with us a gospel message. A gospel message meant for all people of all time, that everyone belongs kneeling before the manger, worshiping the Savior, because that baby born in Bethlehem is our Savior too. But Paul doesn't stop there. In addition to saying that in Christ all believers receive the same treatment, he goes on to say that all believers receive the same blessings. And these epiphany blessings are not gold or frankincense or myrrh. Now, the blessings that Paul shows us today is that together with Israel, all believers are heirs, all believers are one body, and all believers are sharers in Christ Jesus. 
When we hear the word heir, it's hard not to think back to that promise we talked about earlier of how the children of Abram would inherit the land. They called it the promised land, the land of Canaan. And while the Israelites eventually did make it to the promised land, it was only a picture of the true promised land, the promised land that is still coming, a promised land that we are waiting for. We are the inheritors of a better promised land. God, our Father, has better gifts in for us. He has for us his love, his care, his protection, his ear, and one day, eternal life, heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. We don't inherit these gifts by ourselves. No, we inherit these gifts together. As Paul says that we are one body, we are one church, we are one entity. We move and grow, live and inherit together. Each and every one of us has a different story of how we came to Jesus, how the gospel worked in our lives. And regardless of what your story is, there's no one better and there's no one worse. From the lifelongs to the last weeks, to the longest member, to the newest visitor, each and every one of us are part of one body of believers. And each and every one of us has different gifts. And those gifts are worked and enjoyed in multiple different ways. All for the benefits and growth of God's people, the church. And not only do we live and inherit together, but we are sharers in the promise of Christ together. And what is that promise of Christ? That for those who believe in Jesus, their sins are forgiven. They have been made right with God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is coming back to give us the inheritance that he promised. This mystery that Paul reveals to us, the mystery that in Christ all believers receive the same treatment and the same blessings from God is a mystery that's better when revealed. Today, on this Gentile Christmas, God reveals to us the mystery of his love. A love so powerful that it's able to include both Jews and Gentiles, include all people, all believers of all time. A love so strong that led him to send his son into the world so that we might be considered sons and daughters of God. One family looking forward to one home forever. Merry Christmas. Amen. Please stand.